2 and 14. Homeless. A, a, a front office and a coaching staff that was terrible. Talking about the low point of the Saints' existence. 2005, it was right after Katrina, the team found themselves with a horrible team, a terrible team. They found themselves with a coaching staff that was disinterested and not very good. They found themselves homeless because of Hurricane Katrina. The dome had holes in it, and it was, it was just a rough, rough situation. The team was in absolute and utter chaos. Get into the offseason. They were trying their best. They were trying to figure out how was it that this team, which was homeless and threatening to move, they, how, how was it that this team that didn't have good players, how was it that this team that had nothing for a coaching staff was going to become a formidable opponent to anybody? The team was in chaos. So, let's start with a couple of pieces. Let's try and bring order to the chaos. So the first thing they did was they went steal a coach from the hated Dallas Cowboys named Sean Payton to try and give some direction. Well, after we, we, we get some direction, we got to get players. So they went get a broken quarterback. Shoulder was messed up. Nobody really wanted him. Nobody knew if he could actually throw the ball. But they brought him in named Drew Brees. The Messiah stepped down, right? They went from a 2-16 and 16 terrible team, a 3-13, and 13, one of them, whatever it was, to the NFC Championship game. One year. They went from the second pick of the draft, where they picked an exciting player, Reggie Bush, and, and drafted really well. They've populated their team. They built their team. But they went from an, a team in utter chaos to a team that was threatening for the Super Bowl in one year. And they lost to a team that we're going to rectify today, right? But they went from nothing and chaos to a champion. Three years later, they would win the Super Bowl. And we all still see that beautiful picture of Breeze holding his child and the trophy and the confetti coming down. In four years, they went from chaos to a champion. They went from nothing to the, to the pinnacle of their existence, to the best thing that they could possibly achieve in their sport. They went from chaos to thriving. Now why on earth would this week I start with the story of the 2005 New Orleans Saints? Because we, it doesn't take much to give order to chaos. Order can come into chaos through only a couple of people. Hiring the right coach and getting the right quarterback. Can you bring order to chaos? Now, I don't know if you know this or not. I don't know if you realize this or not. Our world is in chaos. The events of this week, the events of past Wednesday, um, where a, a a protest turned into a riot. The riot descended upon our Capitol building is a moment that I never thought I would see in the United States. And it was rather chaotic. 
But it was the fruition of the last nine months of political violence and unrest where you see a target burning down and now the Capitol being attacked. Regardless of, what it, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, I could promise you this, I never thought, I think we all can agree, I ne- we never thought that we would see this kind of chaos in our country. But I think it's very, very fitting that this week we celebrate the feast of the baptism of the Lord. And the reason why is because God has proven over and over again that He knows how to bring order to chaos. And that by virtue of our baptism, we are called to be key players in assisting in that order. Today in our, in our responsorial psalm, whether we realize it or not, we, we kind of hinted at one of these moments where God brought order to chaos. Rewind with me back to the very beginning of the Bible. First chapter of the Bible, first chapter of Genesis, right? The psalm today is pointing at it. We, re- we read, The voice of the Lord is over the waters, the, vo- the Lord over the vast waters. Now, when we hear water, a lot of times the first thing that comes to our mind is fish and shrimp, right? We might be thinking of Grand Isle and sitting on the beach and just enjoying ourselves with a, a cold beverage in our hand. We might be thinking of being out on the boat, whether it be wakeboard and hydroslide and whatever. We could think of a lot of things with water. But when a, when a, a first century Jewish person heard the words waters, It didn't bring so many pleasurable, idealistic, vacation-style images. The image of water was chaotic. The image of water was dangerous. It was a mystery. It was worrisome. So those words, the Lord is over the waters. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The Lord on the immensity of waters, on the vast waters. It's God is over the chaos. The first book of the Bible, right? What we hear is that the Spirit of the Lord is hovering over the waters before creation. That there is chaos, but God is over it. God reigns over it. God is before it. God is stronger than it. God is more powerful than it. And then we hear day one separates the heavens and the earth. Day two, the sky and the ground. Day three, the land and the waters. The land and the sea. God brings order in creation to the chaos. This is what we're celebrating when we celebrate Christmas. When we've been celebrating this Christmas mystery, when we've been going through since December 23rd, 24th, what the heck am I doing? Uh, Since December 24th, since Christmas Eve, we have been celebrating the idea of God stepping down into the human condition, into the chaos yet again. Because right after the creation of Genesis 1, we hear about the creation of Adam and Eve, and everything is perfect, and everything is great, and they're made in the image and likeness of God, and they're loving each other, and they're loving God, and everything's all good. Until Genesis 3, when the fall comes in. And sin enters the world. And now what was a peaceful and perfect situation is again made chaotic. The Christmas mystery is about undoing that chaotic situation. That God is willing to step into a world of sin and darkness and pain to save us. 
that God steps down from heaven to earth as a baby in a manger so that He can bring order, so that He can bring peace to chaos. I've reflected on this before, and it's, it, it's kind of a funny image, but it, it's a true image. We look at a nativity set, it's all pretty and clean. That's not really what it looked like. If you think about it, when we really think about the Christmas story, Mary and Joseph come into Bethlehem. Mary's about to pop. They have to find a place for her so she can have her baby. When they go to the inn, when they go to find a place suitable to have a child, well, we're full, sorry, but we got a barn out back. We say the word stable, it's really a barn. Now, I don't know if you've ever walked into a barn, but next time you do, do me a favor. Walk in and just take one big whiff. What are you going to smell? You know. That's what Jesus was born into. That's the first smell that Jesus had. It was a barn. That God has proven that He can bring order into chaos. That God is not afraid to step down into the gross, into the hard, into the, in, into the muddy, the muck of our life. Today when we hear about this image in the Gospel of Jesus coming to, when Jesus comes to, the, to be baptized in the Jordan, if you've never been to the Holy Land, you've never seen a picture, the Jordan River was not this pretty, this pretty blue water. The Jordan River is a gross little muddy ditch. The Jordan River looks a whole lot more like Bayou Lafourche than it does like sandals in Jamaica. All right? The Jordan River is a muddy place. And if we think about this image, we think about this story that we just heard in the Gospel, what is Jesus doing? Jesus is coming to be baptized by John in, a mu in muddy water. Jesus is coming to be baptized by John, who was proclaiming a baptism of forgiveness and repentance. Jesus never committed a sin. He had no reason to come and embrace a baptism of forgiveness and repentance. There are two images, there are two reasons that a lot of scholars will say Jesus came for. Number one, He by His presence sanctifies the water. He by His presence of stepping into the water and going through it Himself makes the water holy. That's why we use holy water for our baptisms. That's why we put holy water at the church outside of COVID so that we can, make, we can bless ourselves with water that has been made holy by God's presence. But the second reason, I think the more important, is that Jesus is in line to be baptized by John. He, who is he in line with? It was scandalous for him to be in line with a bunch of sinners. People that they knew were adulterers. People that they knew were cheats, were tax collectors, were liars. People that they knew were murderers and that had done terrible things. People were publicly sinners. Those were the ones coming to John to be baptized. Yet Jesus gets side by side with them, showing that He's not afraid of the mud and the muck. That He's not afraid of the dirtiness of life. I would say to, to reveal to us that He's willing to be with us in solidarity with us, even in the chaos of life. And he's baptized. Now, the reason why I think it's so fitting for us today 
after the events of this past week, to reflect on baptism is because we play a key role as some of the other minor players, if you will, in bringing order to the chaos. Because the craziness of the world right now, it seems like the entire world has gone crazy. But if we've, learned, if we've learned anything, it only takes a few living out gospel principles to the fullest extent to bring order to the chaos. It only takes a few buying in totally and completely to bring order to the chaos. Jesus didn't start His public ministry by getting up 200, 300, 400 people. He started with 12. And 2,000 years later, we're at this church because those 12 lived it and lived it well. We hear about it in St. Peter. We hear about it from St. Peter today in the Acts of the Apostles. That because of what happened at the baptism of the Lord, they continued the mission of the church. And that mission is handed on to us today. Listen to what we read. How is it that we're supposed to do this? Listen to what we read from the prophet Isaiah this morning. Here is my servant whom I uphold. That's you and I. That God has chosen us. God has adopted us. God has brought us into His family by virtue of our baptism. Here Here is my servant whom I uphold. My chosen one whom I am well pleased. He shall bring forth justice to the nations. How? Not crying out. Not shouting. Not making his voice heard in the street. Or burning down a target. Or breaking a window. A bruised reed he shall not break. A smoldering wick he shall not quench. I, the Lord, have called you for the victory of justice. I have grasped you by the hand. God is talking to each one of us that by virtue of our baptism, we have been brought into communion with Him to stand with Him, to bring Him out to the nations. I formed you and set you as a light for the nations. To open the eyes of the blind. To preach, to bring prisoners out of confinement. From, the dungeon, from those who live in the dungeon, dungeon out of darkness. You and I are called by virtue of our baptism to proclaim and to live gospel values to the fullest extent. There's a, there was an image that was used in the church um, in the early parts of the church as the church was kind of finding its way. The Roman Empire was, was in charge of everything, right? Most of the Western world was part of the Roman Empire. And there was something that they realized in the Roman Empire that Christians, they were different. There was something different about Christians because it didn't matter where they lived. It didn't matter what country they called home. They always recognized and always knew that their true homeland was somewhere else. That their true kingdom, the true empire that they, were, they put their allegiance to, was not of this world. They went so far as to say that the country they lived in was still a foreign country. If we're waiting for our country to teach us what it means to be faithful, don't hold your breath. If we're waiting to see to, to find a savior in a big orange man or in a, in a party, 
don't, don't hold your breath. Because by virtue of our baptism, we've been adopted by something one that's so much greater than any kingdom, any empire, any nation on this earth. We have a responsibility to live within the, the, the context that we live in. We have a, a responsibility to do our best to help and bless the world and the communities that we live in. We are called to be God's presence, His players, if you will, in bringing order to the chaos. That starts first by allowing God to bring order to the chaos of my life. That starts by allowing God to work miracles in my life. To, to let Him into the sinful inclinations, the, the, the places that I still fall short, and to seek healing there. But as we come to receive communion today, as we come to be empowered and to be, to be nourished by, by Christ Himself, we're then called and sent to go forth. We're call, then called and sent to be His servant. To be one of those twelve. And to live our faith to the fullest extent. That's how we bring order to the chaos. And it only takes a few. I may have said this before, but if, I was, if, if you're building a corporation, if you're building any group to achieve a goal, and you can have 100 people who are 50% bought in, they might make a meeting here and there. They might, they might be committed, but it might be down the list of priorities. You can have 100 people like that, or you can have 10 people who are completely and totally, this is their main thing, their main priority. You'd be wise to choose the 10. God, Jesus Christ changed the world with 12 men who were willing to go all in for the Lord. He brought more order to the chaos because of 12 people that He chose, formed, and sent out. God, by virtue of our baptism, has called each one of us. He wants to form our hearts and then send us forth. May we both allow Him to bring order to the chaos of our own life, so then we can bring order to the chaos of the world.